Thank you for joining our broadcast at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to citylifechurch.cc to find the giving option that works best for you. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy today's message. You may be seated. such an honor for me to be back and to share in ministry with you. Pastor Tony and Casey are great friends. He ministered for us just recently at Mount Perry, and he's always an amazing speaker and a blessing uh, to our church. And it's an honor for me to be back here in Florida. It's a little warmer down here than it is in Atlanta right now, and this is very nice. And uh, Pastor EJ, he's amazing too. He's been getting all this applause for everybody else. He's an amazing man and an amazing minister. We had a great time together last night. Today I want to talk to you about living an unlimited life, learning to live above your limitations. Turn to somebody and say, unlimited. From Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Declare it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Two cows were grazing out in a pasture one day when a milk truck drove by. And on the side of that milk truck were the words, standardized, pasteurized, homogenized, vitamin A, vitamin D enriched milk. One cow looked at the other and said, makes you feel sort of inadequate, doesn't it? All of us deal with feelings of inadequacy. We don't feel like we measure up. We don't feel like we can make the grade. We sometimes feel like we don't have the talent or the ability or the skills or the personality that we need to really succeed in life. A lot of us have the same syndrome Charlie Brown, the famous cartoon character, has. You know, he's the epitome of low self-esteem. And he's explaining his feelings of inadequacy to Linus one day. And he said, look, Linus, he goes like this, all the way back to the beginning. When I was born and stepped foot on the stage of life, the world looked at me and said, he's not right for the part. Many of us don't feel like we're right for the part. We struggle sometimes with a feeling of inadequacy. An early psychologist by the name of Alfred Adler In his theory of personality, what motivates our behavior? He said that we are motivated by striving for superiority because we struggle with a basic sense of inferiority. In fact, he's the one that coined the term inferiority complex. We have within us a sense of inferiority, a feeling of inadequacy. And we strive for superiority, not superiority over other people, but we strive to be superior to that feeling of inferiority that we all struggle with. You're not really competing against other people to succeed. You're only competing against yourself to learn to live above the limitations that you feel. The limitations that we put on ourselves are what keep us from ever going to the level God has for us and for which God created us. And when we come to know Jesus as Lord, that is the greatest deliverance from a negative self-image, low self-esteem, and feelings of inadequacy. When we come to know him as Lord and the Spirit of God lives within us, we too can say, I can do all things, say it with me, through Christ who gives me strength. Now, a lot of people are kind of not 
accepting of this. They almost are afraid to say, I can. I want everybody to say, I can. Because we feel like, well, what is that? Is that pride? Is that self-sufficiency? No. You have faith in God, but many of you have no faith in yourself. You believe in God and His greatness, and you minimize yourself. It's very important to be able to say with confidence, I can. I can do this. I can handle this. I can get through this. I can accomplish this. It's not a statement of self-sufficiency. It is a statement of confidence in who God has made you to be. Everything you face, every challenge you face, you have got to say, as I do, I can. The moment we say, I can't. When Barbie and I go to the gym and we work out and I give her something, she says, I can't do it. I say, honey, the one phrase we can never use in a gym is the phrase, I can't. We're not going to get anything done with that. Get comfortable with saying, I can. Say it again. I can do all things. In other words, when he looks at everything he's going through in life, he says, I can handle all things. I can manage all things. I can overcome all things. I can accomplish all things. I can persevere through all things. I can endure all things. I can do all things. But not within the sufficiency of myself. I don't have enough. But now that I'm born again and the Spirit of God lives within me, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ, through my personal relationship to Jesus, who gives me strength. He doesn't do it for us. He gives us the strength to do it. Jesus doesn't live his life through you. That's not what the Christian faith teaches. Jesus empowers you to live your life for him. I can do all things through my relationship to Jesus because he strengthens me. He doesn't do it for me, but he gives me the power and the strength to accomplish it. All of us have limitations. And if we focus on those, we're never going to rise above them. But when Paul made this statement, this great apostle, he faced limitations in his own life. He faced external limitations as we do and internal limitations, and we all have them. When he wrote this amazing declaration, he was in prison. He wasn't in a palace. He wasn't in the church. He wasn't in an office. He wasn't at home. He was in a prison arrested for telling the world about Jesus. The difficulty of prison life, most stressful environment any person can ever be in. And yet, in spite of it, he says, I can do all things. I can do this prison time. I can do this injustice. I can do this adversity. I can do this. And yet, he writes from the prison this letter we call Philippians, because that was a church in Philippi. And we call this, of all of his letters, the letter of joy. Because he writes over and over in the letter of Philippians about joy, about how much joy is. How can a person have joy in prison? Through Christ who strengthens me. Why is he not stressed? Why is he not depressed? Why is he not angry with God? Through Christ who strengthens me, I can do this. Go through the letter and look at this amazing triumphant spirit that is above the limitations of the prison. Chapter 1, verse 6 of Philippians, it says, I'm confident that he who began a good work in me will comp compare it, complete it to the day 
of completion. In chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, God is at work in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. In chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says, Forgetting the things which are behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on for the mark. Chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. Chapter 4, verse 11, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Chapter 4, verse 19, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He writes those amazing declarations of faith in prison. He's got circumstances just like you do right now. When everything's not perfect in your life, you're going through difficult times with your family, with your circumstances, with your job perhaps, with your health. You're going through problems that are around you. Don't be limited by that. You can do that. You can get through this. You can handle this. You can overcome this through Christ who gives me strength. He also had internal limitations, as we all do. Limitations we feel to our talent, to our abilities, to our giftedness, sometimes even physical disabilities. And yet, you can transcend them. You can live beyond your limitations through Christ who strengthens you. Your limitations don't have to limit you. He writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, because of these surpassingly great revelations given to me. There was also given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to harass me. A thorn in my flesh, not around me, in me. Things I'm struggling with internally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. I sought the Lord three times to take it away from me. I prayed the same prayer, haven't you? Haven't you asked God many times to take something away? But God doesn't always do it that way. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, he said, I will boast in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. When I'm weak, then I am strong. In spite of the external limitations you and I have, in spite of the internal limitations, rise above it and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's what this scripture is teaching us, how by faith to transcend, to rise above the limitations because Christ will strengthen you. I have found that in prayer, I get stronger. I feel stronger when I read the Scripture and when I pray. I feel stronger when I come to the house of God and worship God with God's people. I feel stronger when I draw close to Him. It calms my fears. It brings me peace. It reminds me who I am. I feel the presence of God. A lot of people have a hard time with even using the feeling, but I feel stronger. Christ who strengthens me. That's where the power is, and that's why 
the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit. Because you don't have to do everything yourself. You have talents, you have abilities, you have gifts. But when you're born again, the Spirit of God lives within you. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit comes to give us power. And as we seek God, as we pray, as we draw near to God, we will increase God's power, spiritual power in our lives. And that's what was going on in that prison. Paul found a sanctuary inside that prison. He was drawing close to the Lord, and instead of being bitter and angry, he's writing a letter of joy because he could rise above the limitations through Christ who strengthens me. When you and I pray, we can say, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen my hands for the work that I have to do. Strengthen my heart with courage. Strengthen my feet to go the distance. Lord, strengthen me. When the Spirit comes upon you, there'll be supernatural strength to help you with everything you're facing in life. I love the story of young David when the prophet Samuel went to the house to anoint him. He was just a young man. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 and 20 that the prophet Samuel took the horn of oil, this oil that symbolized the Holy Spirit, and poured it over David's head. And the Scripture says, from that day on, the Spirit of God came upon David with power. That's where I want to live, where the Spirit of God comes upon me with power. The prophet Micah said, truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody say, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord of the Lord. You know, Jesus, even though he was fully God, he subjected himself to our human frailty, and he taught us in his humanity to depend upon the Spirit when he went into the desert to pray, preparing for his ministry. When he finished that 40 days, it says in Luke 4, 14, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He tells us in Luke 24, 49, you will be clothed with power from on high. Look at all the nice clothes we wore in here today. But think about that. The Holy Spirit can be on us like a garment of power. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Yes, we're just jars of clay, but there's a treasure in us, the Holy Spirit, the all-surpassing power of God. It surpasses everything, every challenge, every problem, every difficulty. The last letter Paul writes is 2 Timothy to his son of the faith. The last thing he says in 2 Timothy 4.18, he reflects at his first trial before they put him in prison. And he said, at my trial, no one stood with me. Nevertheless, the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. You ever had the Lord stand by you and give you strength? That's what comes from the presence of the Lord. And when that strength and that power comes upon a person, you can transcend your limitations. You can rise above your limitations, and you can live an unlimited life. History is shaped by people who lived an unlimited life who transcended their limitations. Demosthenes, the famous Greek orator, lived about 350 B.C., stuttered, but he wanted to be a public speaker. History tells us that he would put small pebbles in his mouth to correct his disability, and he would stand in front of a reflective mirror to watch his enunciation of words until he disciplined himself 
to speak clearly and is known to this day throughout history as one of the greatest orators and public speakers. I cannot tell you how many times my mother used to say to me, David, stop mumbling because I would just slur my words. I talk real fast. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Maybe that's a Georgia thing. I don't know. It took me a lot of discipline to be able to address you and to enunciate my words with clarity. Notice that I still preach fast, right? She never could slow me down. She used to say, articulate your words. She said it like that, articulate. Rise above your limitation. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our president, contracted polio when he was 39, and it continued to worsen. When he was our president, he was in a wheelchair most of the time, but you'll never see him photographed in a wheelchair. He would always stand for the photos. He didn't want people to see him in a wheelchair, but he didn't see himself in a wheelchair. He saw himself bigger than that disease. He started a foundation that led to the discovery of polio vaccines. He would not let it limit him. Thomas Edison, who had a winter home not too far from here, the great inventor, was almost completely deaf when he invented the phonograph. The record player, now vinyl, is back in style. Isn't that interesting? Almost completely deaf when he invented a, a device to give us music. I heard that then rock and roll came along and he went completely deaf. That's not historical, but. <laughs> Beethoven composed the beautiful Ninth Symphony totally deaf. They cut the legs off the piano and put it down on the floor so he could feel the vibrations of the lower versus the higher notes when he composed the Ninth Symphony. Never heard a note of it. The classics, Treasure Island. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, when he was so sick, he was bedridden. Those classics were written in the midst of his illness. Couldn't even get out of bed and gave the world classic literature. I don't know if you know the name of Jody Tata Erickson or not. An amazing Christian woman. When she was 18, just a teenager, she was in a diving accident, was completely paralyzed from that point for her neck down. She had a crisis of faith, became angry and bitter at God, and eventually began to draw near to the Lord, had a revival of her faith, and decided she was going to not let that limitation limit her. She taught herself to paint with a paintbrush between her teeth. She authored 40 books, has 150 paintings and sketchings, released several music projects, has a ministry called Excel to help people with disabilities. I played basketball in high school. I've always competed in leagues. I love basketball. I remember one day at the YMCA where we were having a lunchtime run. A new player came in. He's about my size, but I noticed he only had half an arm. Basketball is hard enough when you're not the tallest one on the court. I can't imagine playing with half an arm. So because of our size, we're going to get matched up. I thought this is going to be easy. 
I know he probably can dribble, at least with the one hand. He can't go left. I'm sure he can't shoot. One of the most amazing basketball players ever played against. Unbelievably fast. Incredible ball handling. How he got that jump shot off, I will never know. But I thought about, here's a man transcending his limitations. You know the name of Helen Keller, born in Alabama when she was a little baby, 19 months old because of a disease. She went completely blind and completely deaf. Wasn't born that way, but now this infant is total in a world of darkness and silence. The family doesn't know what to do to help her, this baby. Eventually, they find her a teacher named Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan came to live with them to bring Helen Keller out of a world of silence and darkness. Taught her how to read and write. Anne herself was blind. She went blind when she was eight years old because of an infection. Little Helen Keller could put her fingers on a person's lips and learn to distinguish every word, what they were saying. Helen Keller is the first person in the state of Alabama, blind and deaf, to earn a Bachelor's of Arts degree. Now think about that. The next time you say college is tough, not really. She authored 12 books, spent most of her adult life as a public speaker, was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Johnson, a 19-month-old baby in a world of total darkness and silence, one of the greatest achievers. Why? And a Christian woman, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't let your limitations limit you. Dare to live an unlimited life. I've enjoyed reading about the life of Booker T. Washington. Born in slavery, 1856, was seven years old when President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation freeing the slaves. When the Civil War was over, his mother moved him, and they went to West Virginia. She married a freeman there whose first name was Washington. She never told Booker the identity of his white father. He later took the first name of his stepfather as his last name, Booker T. Washington. He wanted to be educated but was deprived of education. In West Virginia, he went to work in the salt mines and the coal mines to earn enough money to pay his own tuition. He achieved so far in his education that he became the first leader of the Tuskegee Institute, Tuskegee University today. Booker T. Washington became the first president. He was a lobbyist in D.C. for equal rights. He was a consultant to presidents. He was an author. He's regarded as one of the great educators in American history. In 1895, he made one of his most famous speeches in my city, Atlanta, called the Atlanta Compromise, where he encouraged African Americans to rise above the limitations of the discrimination in the aftermath of slavery, to pursue their education, economic advantage, to dream and to pursue their goals. Booker T. Washington said success is not measured by what 
a person achieves in life. Success is measured by the obstacles they overcome in the achievement of that success. God didn't create you to be an addict. He created you to be anointed. He didn't create you to be a burden. He created you to be a blessing. He didn't create you to be a complainer. He created you to be a conqueror. He didn't create you to be defeated. He created you to be dynamic. God didn't create you to be empty. He created you to be empowered. He didn't create you to be fearful. He created you to be faithful. God didn't create you to be guilty. He created you to be gracious. God didn't create you to be hurt. He created you to be happy. He didn't create you to be inferior. He created you to be invincible. God didn't create you to be judgmental. He created you to be joyful. God didn't create you to be lonely. He created you to be lovely. God didn't make you to be a mistake. He created you to be a masterpiece. God didn't create you to be negative. He created you to be noble. God didn't create you to be oppressed. He created you to be optimistic. God didn't create you to be poor. He created you to be powerful. God didn't create you to be quiet. He created you to be quickened. God didn't create you to, to be rejected. He created you to be resilient. God didn't create you to be stressful. He created you to be successful. God, God didn't create you to be a tragedy. God created you to be a testimony. God didn't create you to be undone. God created you to be uncommon. God didn't design you to be a victim. He created you to be a victor. God didn't create you to be a worshiper, a warrior. He created you to be a worshiper. God didn't create you to be a zero. He created you to be a zenith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's give him praise this morning. Unlimited. Dare to live an unlimited life through Christ, through Christ. Because at the end of the day, everything in your life and mine rests on the quality of our relationship to Jesus. If you don't know him today as your Savior, it's the greatest miracle that could happen here this morning. Jesus said, you must be born again. And the man who asked him the question, how is that possible? How could I be born again? How could I have a new start? How could I be forgiven of my sins? How can I have a changed life? How can I be born again? Jesus' answer to that question is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe in Jesus today. Give him your life. Commit your life to him. He'll give you the power to live an unlimited life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you would like today to receive Jesus as your Savior, to begin to follow him as Lord, pray this simple yet powerful prayer. Lord Jesus, I do believe in you. You are the son of the living God. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I cannot save myself. I'm lost without you. I put my faith in you today, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. I confess you openly as my Lord. I dedicate my life 
to you right now. Empower me by your spirit to live my life for you. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayer is that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. We want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday morning worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc and you can also download our City Life Church app on your smartphones and tablets for more online messages. It was great having you with us today and we'll see you next time.